missional intentionality. When you read about Jesus, you realize that he was very intentional about the way that he lived. He wasn't like, well, boys, what do you want to do today? You want to play some Xbox? Yeah, let's play some Xbox. Let's just hang out. Let's just see how the day unfolds. No, he had intention behind every day of his life, purpose behind it. Nothing he did or the people that he encountered was by accident. Welcome to Refuge Podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. Welcome. Um, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. <laughs> I'm really praying that we all learn something tonight. <laughs> Mark chapter 5. We're going to read the first two verses, and we're going to pray, and we'll jump in, all right? Here we go. Mark chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Then they came to the other side, this is Jesus and his disciples, to the country of Gerasenes. You know, you know that place, right? You like to vacation there. Verse 2, And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Let's pray. Oh, God, we are so humbled, Lord, and we're so grateful, Lord, for the gospel and what that means for us, Um, what it means for the self-righteous God in humbling us, recognizing that our works can't get us to heaven. Lord, um, the amount of times we read our Bible or go to church, Lord, um, doesn't make us more holy or, or even what the gospel means to us as sinners. Um, who maybe even feel weird coming to church tonight on a Thursday night, um, that we're accepted in you, that it's because of the blood of Jesus that we have this relationship with you. And we don't want to forget that, God. Let, let us never come to a place where we hear the gospel and we grow weary of hearing it. Lord, where our hearts have become um, callous to it, God. And so I pray tonight, soften hearts. Lord, we don't want hearts of stone. Lord, we want hearts of flesh. Lord, tonight, soft hearts that can hear and can be molded and taught and um, made like Christ. And so uh, we want to be made like, like the image of Jesus, and we want to be on mission for Jesus, just like we're, we've been going through, God. And so um, we need your help, Holy Spirit. So just use us, use me, and um, speak to us through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, like Andrew said, welcome. We're currently in a little short fall mini-series, teaching series, that we have called Missio Christi. And that is a really fancy way and Latin way of saying mission of Christ. And in this, we're looking at how Jesus lived on mission and how we can be on mission um, in the lives that we're living today. Our theme verse for um, this series comes out of John 20, 21, and it reads, Jesus said to them again, this is his disciples, he says to them, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And so one thing that we find when we read the Gospels is that Jesus was sent by the Father to redeem the world, to save the world. There is a purpose in him being sent. The creator, right, became creation. We're getting ready to celebrate that this uh, in a month or so. Christmas music maybe in your house is already blaring. Or if you're a stickler, you're like, no, it's got to wait till 1st of December maybe. And you're like, turn that Mariah Carey off right now, you know. <laughs> um, but we're getting ready to celebrate this, the purpose of why Jesus came, his mission And, you know, his mission really is summed up in one of the greatest verses in the Bible, John 3, 16 and 17, where it reads that, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Right there we find the mission of Christ. And so in this, we learn that as Jesus was even sent by the Father to, to share this mission, to, to, to redeem and to bring back us, back from our sin, out of the lawlessness, so Jesus sends us as believers, as Christians. And so if, if you're here today and you call yourself a Christian, if you're a Christian in this room, you're on mission 
whether you know it or not. You're on mission, and, and we too are sent out, you know? And some of us, the, the, the problem is some of us, we forget that, right? We miss or, or, or get distracted from the reality that we have a purpose to our life greater than, um, you know, getting a job, a career, greater than, you know, finding your spouse, greater than all these things, a God-given purpose and mission for each of our lives, a God-given calling. And if you notice that when we talk about this, I say the word mission and not the word missions with an S. Maybe you're like, Zach, that's really weird. You're trying to be like super trendy, come up with new fab words or whatever. No, I'm not. The reason why I say mission and not missions, I really believe because that word missions, I feel like in Western culture, it's lost its meaning to us. Missions has become this thing that where we say, oh, it's those people doing that work over there. You know, missions becomes this thing that's like, oh, it's this far off ministry that doesn't happen. And maybe, you know, I'll save up money during the summer to go and, and go on one of those and then come back. And, and I really believe that that's, that's, that's the wrong idea um, of what a Christian should have. Instead, I want us to get that out of our head. And instead, like Angie was saying last time when he taught through this, to jump into what God is doing right now and right here, where you are, the places you work, you know. We say this all the time. There's a reason why you run into the same barista getting your coffee every day or whatnot. There's a reason and purpose behind the job that you're placed into and your coworkers that you're surrounded with. There's a reason why you've been placed into these specific classes at this school and you're sitting next to these certain people and they might be strangers to you, but God has purpose in everything, in every aspect of your life. And the reason, like I was saying, I choose to say that word mission and not missions is because mission reminds us that our daily routines are not accidents. Your daily trip to Costco gas or, or to go to Trader Joe's or to hit up your favorite coffee shop, they're not accidents. God wants to use us where we are today to, to share the gospel, to spread the gospel. He wants us in mission in our immediate context. It's not some far off, you know, Mexico trip or Guatemala, even though the coffee over there is amazing. I don't know if it's better than Moon Goat. Oh, it's, uh, but it's really good. But mission is here where we are today. Today, I, I quoted Pastor Andrew from this because this is so good. Andrew said this last time. He said, the church has a mission to subvert the works of darkness with the gospel of light. And if you're not doing that, Every day in your life, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life, you know? I read this post from this pastor who, um, he said, he said, every day, you know, you wake up, you thank God for his grace, you punch something evil in the face, and then you love on someone, and then you repeat. And you do that, and I'm like, that is so, like, yes. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but I want to make an impact for God's kingdom, for what he's done in our life, what he's done in my life. I don't want to just ride on the coattails of these great missionaries and these great um, saints that have gone before us and have done great things for God. I want to see God do great things in my own life and in the lives of people around me. And so this is what Missio Christi is all about. That's what Missio Christi is all about right there. So last week, does anybody remember what we looked at last week in Missio Christi? We looked at the mission of Christ was to... Seeking to save. Great. Yeah, I saw you mouthing it in the back, man. It's okay if you didn't. Christ, last week we learned on Christ came to seek and he came to save the lost. And today we're going to take our short time to see how the mission of Christ is also to redeem and to restore. To redeem and to restore. I wanted to find these words for us too because I feel like definitions help me personally. I have a hard time understanding things, right? Like I said, with words, I'm a very poor speaker. Um, and you'll find out very shortly why. But the definition of redeem, let's look at what this definition means. The definition of redeem means the release of people, animals, or property from bondage through the payment of a price. Okay, that's what redeem means. To release something from bondage through the payment of a price. Redeem, that's the definition of redeem. And the definition of, of restore means to bring back that which has been lost, to return someone or something to its original condition, place, or position. I really like that definition right there. 
returning something to its original condition, the way it was created to be. This is God's mission. This is Christ's mission. Redeeming, restoring. And we're going to see that here in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. That's where we're going to spend and camp out um, the rest of, of this teaching. But here in the Gospels of Mark, if you are um, someone who reads the Gospels frequently, you can understand that when you read the life of Jesus, he doesn't have any you know, coincidences. There aren't any coincidences in his life where he's like, whoa, what are the chances that I ran into this girl and she's sitting by the well like we learned last time, you know? Or what are the chances that I saw this wee little short guy hanging up in a tree and named Zacchaeus, you know? And um, like these things are divine appointments that God with his, um, the, the word that I use, I really like this word, okay? The word that I used is missional intentionality. Ooh, that's a big word, right? It's a super theological word. There's your theological word, Andrew. Missional, <laughs> missional intentionality. When you read about Jesus, you realize that he was very intentional about the way that he lived. He wasn't like, well, boys, what do you want to do today? You want to play some Xbox? Yeah, let's play some Xbox. Let's just hang out. Let's just see how the day unfolds. No, he had intention behind every day of his life, purpose behind it. Nothing he did or the people that he encountered was by accident. You know, and, and when you think about it, I mean, we're all in, intentional about life. You know, my, my wife and I, um, me and Emma, she's in the back with our second son, by the way. It's his first time to refuge. <laughs> Senor Caden Jacob Reese in the back, weighing eight pounds, one ounce. Um, no, love that guy. Um, but recently, Emma, I, Judson, our two-year-old, and our little baby, Caden, we took a trip to Disneyland. Oh, yeah. Maybe some of you guys are like, so stoked that the passes are back. Yes, you know. Um, and you're just stoked about that. But recently, we took a trip to Disneyland. And um, we planned ahead about what to bring for our family. Or rather, my wife planned ahead about what to bring for that day for her family. You know. And for me, this was new, Okay. I had a Disney pass, like, for a number of years since I've lived here. Um, and when me and Emma would go as a couple, you know, it was a blast. And we had no care in the world. We would go just to people watch. I mean, we were just like, this is amazing. You know, like, we just go and stare at people and talk about them. And that's pretty wrong. But, you know, we would do that. And we, there's no stress. You know, maybe some of you who have had passes before, you, you know that feeling like, let's just go to Disneyland. What else are we going to do? You know, like, the benefits of living in California. You know, and you go on one ride, you're not stressed about, you know, making, you know, Space Mountain or not. Because you're like, I've been on it 40 billion times and I could like, you know, re replay it in my sleep, you know. But this recent trip to Disneyland, we don't have passes. We, only, we, we bought tickets for that one. And so, um, and this is, our this is my first time really going as like a dad uh, <laughs> to this trip. Um, it was way different than what I had, I had experienced in the past, okay? I mean, the stuff, the amount of stuff that we brought into Disneyland was insane. Like the amount of backpacks, strollers, stroller adaptions so both of our kids could sit in, you know, like you have, oh, this is the cooler. This has all the foods and the snacks and the, and the treats. And in case he gets hungry, here's something salty. In case he gets hungry for something sweet, here's something sweet. Here's your drink, you know. We had a giant jug of water so we could refill all our, like, I mean, we were intentional about what we brought, you know, into that day. And, I mean, and it blessed us. It was rad. We were so prepared for everything, you know. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, but, you know, there's, in life, it's really easy to be intentional about things that we care about. You know, things that you really are passionate about. Like if it's recreation, hitting the gym, you're like, yeah, I'm waking up early and being intentional to make sure I'm bringing my creatine and my protein or whatever, you know, and you're like, I'm going to hit it and yeah, I'm super intentional about it. Or, you know, maybe it's finances for you and you're like, Dave Ramsey is my Lord and Savior, <laughs> you know, and you're just like, you're budgeting like crazy. You're like, I'm very intentional about how I spend my money and how I, you know, this and that. You know, or maybe it's about relationships. You know, some of us in here, you're dating someone. You're very intentional about the way that you treat that person, the words that you say to that person. Maybe even some of your friendships, you know. There's certain things that you don't bring up around certain friends because you don't want to, you know, piss them off or get them angry or bring up the past, you know, or something like that. You're very intentional about these things that you're passionate about. But how often are we intentional 
about living our life on mission. On mission, like Jesus was. And like I said before, how often do we see our days and our routines to work, to school, the people we encounter as opportunities placed there by God to be a light to them? Jesus lived with missional intentionality. Let's look at our passage here in Mark chapter 5. It says, Then Jesus and the disciples came to the other side of the sea, to the country of that place. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Verse 3, He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. What a picture right, in the gospel of Mark. So Jesus gets off of this boat with his buddies, his disciples, and right as he gets off of this boat, this crazy guy comes in to meet him, okay? And, you know, I think it's something good to understand what was happening in the process of the disciples traveling over here, okay? The Sea of Galilee, this lake that they were, that they were traveling on, was... Um, a lake that a bunch of people lived around. A, a, a bunch of cities were located around this lake. And on one side of the lake, you would find really strict Jews who would hold their customs, their rules. They were very strict about the law, okay? And they held it in high regard. And on the, on, on the other side, this side actually where, the, where they find and they meet this, um, this um, man with his unclean spirit, on this side, it wasn't like that. This region wasn't known for being strictly Jewish, this region, on the other hand, was mixed with different cultures, beliefs, and practices. It was actually known to be as a showcase for paganism. Pagan worship happened in this area. And so, crossing the lake to the other side was definitely out of the comfort zone for these Jewish boys and their Jewish leader, Jesus. You know, you could think of it almost in our societies, certain boundaries and contexts that are like, mm, well, we don't go over there, or we don't, they're a little different than us, or they're a little, you know, they think, you know they deserve, or, or whatever. That was the stigma that was around this area, and what I love so much, and Andrew did a great job, I'm going in detail about it, of how Jesus just breaks those boundaries that man, the walls that man put up, the boundaries of race, the boundary of culture, the boundaries of gender, these things, and he breaks right through them because he sees that those things are important. What's important is a soul is people. People matter. And so as, as these disciples, in a sense, cross that boundary and they go to the, the other side, they're met by this, demoni this um, demoniac man, this crazy dude who's possessed by, which we're going to find out, demons, many demons. And everything about this guy was unclean, okay, to a Jewish perspective. Everything about this dude that comes out, rushes to them, was unclean, okay? He lived among, he lived in a graveyard, all right? And to Jews, if touching a dead body was like a huge no-no. There was a whole ceremonial cleansing rite thing that had to happen where if you touched somebody who was dead or you touched somebody who touched somebody who died, you were considered unclean. And there's this long out process in order to be made clean spiritually to be able to go into the temple again. And so somebody who lived in a graveyard hung around bones and stuff. I mean, this guy already, not clean, okay? Hung around dead people. And um, also we find out, what, we, what you find out later in the story is, is in this area, there's herds of pigs that just roam this area, that are just shepherded through this area. And also to Jews, another big no-no, bacon, right? You know, you can't eat pigs, you know, that God commanded in the Old Testament for, for the Jewish people, for his people, that, um, that swine, that this was an unclean thing, unclean thing to eat, you know, praise the Lord, later on in the book of Acts, God speaks to Peter, and he's like, Have, don't call unclean what I call clean, and he says, go ahead, eat freely, all the bacon you want, and now all of us who have bacon cheeseburgers are like, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh yes, you know, so, but to, during this time and during this custom, pigs surrounded the area. And so it's just already this, you can picture it, this stench of, of, of I don't know if you've ever been to a pig farm, 
I don't advise it. Go. It smells really bad. Okay. And so there's this there's a stench of death of a graveyard. There's a stench of swine. These pigs, and um, everything um, that the that um, the disciples and Jesus crossed into was like a huge no no to them. Was very uncomfortable to them. And what I love about this is Jesus. Check this out. He went to a man with an unclean spirit, living in unclean tombs, occupied by an unclean business, which was swine herding to Jews, surrounded by unclean pagan worship people, okay? And Jesus just straight spearheads through it and is like, I love these people. I love this man. God loves this man. And just the love of Christ just breaks through all these boundaries. And Jesus saw this man. He didn't see this man as too far gone. You know, are there people in your life maybe that you think that way about? People maybe that you see as you're driving down the road. And you're like, man, that guy's way too far. That girl, she's, she's too far gone. There's no way. Don't put up boundaries for the Lord. Don't limit the Lord. God, um, the Lord would tell Jeremiah, he would say, is anything too hard for me? He would say that. And we're going to see that nothing is too hard for him in this story. But in, in this story, as we continue reading, what we're going to see and what I want us to focus on is there's, there's three Gospels that are seen here. Okay, Andrew talked about it last time, about how there's all these different Gospels. There's only one Gospel that saves. But the world preaches all these Gospels, right? The Gospel of CrossFit, the Gospel of this, secularism, the Gospel of postmodernism, the Gospel of politics, Republican, Democrat, all these different Gospels that are shoved down our throats and are into our faces all day through our phones, through screens, through schools, through friends. It's like everywhere preaching the Gospel. But all these Gospels can't change the inside, Right? Only Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, can change the, the inside. But in this story, we see three specific gospels that are being preached here. The gospel of Satan, the gospel of society, and the gospel, lastly, the gospel of the Savior. The first one we see, the gospel of Satan. Man, this gospel is a gospel that preaches freedom, but only brings bondage. It boasts of pleasure and popularity, but leaves you ashamed and all alone. And that, the reason behind that is because the gospel of Satan is not a gospel at all. It's a lie. It's a lie. And we've all believed it for a moment in our life, for a time in our life. If you didn't know, Satan himself is a liar. Jesus, when he was talking to the Pharisees and he was arguing with them, and they were like, well, our dad is Abraham. You don't even know who your dad is, Jesus. And that was like a huge diss you know, to him, because if you didn't know, Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit of Mary, so he was conceived of a virgin, right? So they would joke around about that and, and, and really condemn him for that and be like, oh, yeah, right, your mom is so loose, this and that. You don't even know who your real dad is. So they're saying this to, to Jesus, and in John eight forty four, oh, man, Jesus comes back at them with fire. He says, well, you, check this out. He says, you are of your father, the devil, Right? You want to insult somebody to be like, who's your daddy? Satan. <laughs> and he says, and your will is to do what your father desires. He, speaking of the devil, was a murderer from the beginning. And listen to this. Does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of the, his own character. For he is a liar and the father of all lies. The gospel of Satan is one huge lie. And he's been doing it from the beginning of time. Rewind to the garden, right? Jesus, God is like, you, can, you can't eat of this tree. You can eat of all the trees in the garden. Just don't eat of this one, right? The knowledge, tree of knowledge of good and evil. And where's Eve? Right next to the tree. And Satan's tempting her. And the way that Satan tempts her is with a lie. He says, did God really say that you would die? No. God's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to be like him. Hey, if you follow my, in a sense, I'm paraphrasing, if you follow my way, you'll be like God. You will be like God, able to make your own decisions. And is that not the gospel of our culture today? Like, hey, do whatever you want. You become your own master. You become your own God. You choose, like this, like um, <laughs> Elsa, she sings in, the, in her song, Let It Go, the gospel of Elsa, right? The song, the theologian, she sings, no right, no wrong, it's all right with me. Come on. Like, this is our, our culture. We're living in this. 
We're living in this. And the gospel of Satan, what it does is it sugarcoats its true intentions, man. It sugarcoats its true intentions. For you guys who have maybe fallen into that or maybe you've come out of that, you've known that. You've known that the things that you chased after that you thought, man, this, would just, this will fulfill me. And, you've, and you found it only to leave you wanting, to leave you empty. Oh, Jesus called out Satan's true intentions in John 10.10. 10. He said, the thief, speaking of Satan, says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. Those three things, that's the, that's the product, that's the fruit of the gospel of Satan. Steal, to steal from you, to kill you, and ultimately to destroy your soul to keep you from finding Christ, to reject Christ. And we see that lived out in this demoniac man who meets Jesus. And you know what? I was thinking about it when I was reading this story. You know, this guy, he didn't start his life off this way. You know, he wasn't like born as like, you know, what, what's that movie, Rosemary's Baby? It was like the Antichrist, right? It's like, oh, it's this already demon-possessed baby. You know, like he wasn't born into this world. If I freaked you out, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I was a little too cultured, and my parents let me watch so many things when I was younger. Um, <laughs> he didn't come out that way, you know, like demon-possessed. This guy was someone's son, was someone's child, was someone's friend, someone's brother. He was a human being made in the image of God. You know, and I think sometimes we forget that, right? You know, me and Andrew, we were get, buying some stuff for um, uh, the trunk or treat night that we had, right? That's super, did anyone come to, th that was like, come on, all you guys who came, I don't know if we said thank you, but thank you. This is a little side note, we won. We won the competition. <laughs> There's no competition, okay? And if you saw it, you would agree. You're like, yeah, you guys won. So, and even the staff, Pastor John was so like, wow, refuge, set the bar high. And I was like, that's right, we did. <laughs> we didn't do anything less. <laughs> Just, um, <laughs> Anyways, back to the story. Me and Andrew are out getting supplies for that, you know, and we go to this Michael's, and um, as we're walking out, this homeless guy walks in, maybe about my age, he was about my age, you know, and he's, you could tell that something, you could tell he was homeless, you could tell something was, he was on something, he was a little tweaking, and, um, and he kind of comes up to us like in a rush, and he's like, hey, can I borrow your phone? You know, and immediately, you know, you're probably thinking the same thing. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to give this guy my phone. He's going to take off with it. Like, you know, like, that's right. I'm such a horrible person. But that's, that's my flesh within me. I was just like, already, I was stereotyping this guy. I was like, I'm not going to give my guy this. But something told me, get, you know, let, let him borrow your phone. So I was like, yeah, dude, here you go. Like, you know, what's the number? And he's like, oh, you know. He's like, I need to call my mom. And I'll, you know, right? And you're like, yeah, right. You don't need to call your mom? What? Really? Uh, you know? Just me? Wow, you guys are making me look like a giant sinner up here. Um, <laughs> and I give him my phone. My phone's weird. It only works on speaker. So I, I, I put it on speaker to, you know, dial his number in. And I'm, we're standing there, you know, and Andrew's standing, like, by the exit, like, <laughs> in case the guy takes off. Like, he's, like, looking at me. He's, like, I got him. I got him. <laughs> in case he leaves. Um, so, so this guy calls. The, the phone doesn't, you know, the person on the other, on the other line doesn't answer. It's some generic phone um, recording. You know, leave your message after the beep. And he leaves this message and he says, hey, mom, um, I'm calling you back like you asked me today. And I just want to let you know that I'm okay and I'm doing all right and uh, I love you. Bye. And he kind of hangs up and then just like walks off. And I was just like, I kind of I was like, oh, wow, he's telling the truth. Like, I guess he was. You know, and so we kind of like, me and Andrew were like, okay, that was really strange. And he kind of like beelined it straight to the back of the store. I don't, it was, it was really strange. And then, you know, we kind of buy our stuff. We, we leave, you know, Andrew leaves. I don't know if I shared this part with you, but as I'm driving home and I'm, and I'm, and I'm pulling into my um, parking space at my place, I get a phone call from a random number. And I'm like, oh, this has got to be whoever this guy was trying to call. And I was like, I'm still like, I don't know if I should answer this. Like, I don't want to get in a fight with like a drug dealer. Like, I don't know who's on the other end of this line. Like, oh, where's my money? You know, or like, oh, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, you know, and I'm like, oh, should I answer? I was kind of like, I was really wrestling with it. I was like, should I answer this? You know, who answers random phone? You know, like, so I'm like, I'm going to pick, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pick it up. So I answer it and I'm like, hello. And I hear this lady's voice on the other end. And she's like, Hi. She says, I just want to thank you for being so kind to my son. She's like, I live up in Northern California, and I'm trying to get him help. And the kindness of your heart to lend him your phone and let, him, let me know that I'm okay, that he's okay. 
Like, I worry about them every day. And I was like, I mean, I, I'm the only reason why, I, uh, just, I'm a dad right now. So it's like, but God wrecked my heart in that moment and reminded me that God loves people, that we need to stop stereotyping people that we, that we so easily say, oh, you're, man, this guy's strung out. This guy's going to steal my money. So what if he steals your money? Like, ah, that's another sermon. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> but we need to be living on that, man. That's the heart of Jesus. That's the heart of Jesus to help these people. And we see this in this story. Jesus isn't turned off by this guy as this dude comes in, right? And you hear this story of like, he's living the gospel. He's been listening to the gospel of Satan his whole life. He's, the, the, this tells us that he had demons within him that would cause him to injure himself, run around naked, crying out day and night through this. And Jesus knew that this guy carried what, what um, theologians called the imago Dei, the image of God. That every human being, whether you're a believer or you're not, that we have intrinsic value, that we're made in the image of God. And then when you offend someone who's made in the image of God, you're offending God himself. You're offending the character and the nature of who God himself is. That's why, Karen, we, we fight so hard for the unborn, because we believe that they're made in the image of God. They're, they're not just cells and things, that they're, they're kids, they're children. And so Jesus, knowing all this, these stipulations and stuff, he doesn't let that break him, and he allows this guy to come up to him. This guy who's been believing Satan his whole life, listening to this gospel, He's been stolen from by the devil. He's been destroyed by the devil, his life. And next we see the gospel of society. And you see that in what everyone tried to do to this guy, right? They tried to reform this guy. They put chains on him. They're like, well, let's leave him to the tombs and put chains on him. But what happened? He would break them. Nothing worked. It was almost like everybody failed him. Everything that everyone could do for this guy's life, they failed him. Every avenue that he saw, every answer... They failed him, and no one knew what to do, so they're like, well, I guess we just let him run around naked and just, like, crying out day and night. Like, just, that's, that's the best we can do. That's all that society can do. And sadly, that's about, sadly, that's about all that society can do for problem people is isolate them. Is isolate. That's the best that they could do. They can't change them. They'll isolate them, put them under guard, maybe shackle them. This guy was isolated to the graveyards. He roamed without clothes. He would cry out day and night, cutting his body with sharp stones. The people even tried to bind him with chains, like I said. But the strength of um, his demonic possession was too much. And he would, like a beast, he would break the binds on him. And, and the crazy part is, and, I, and even just thinking about it, is this guy was conscious the whole time through it. It wasn't like he like, was blacked out. Like, Can you imagine being conscious through all this under the sleepless nights, the pain through all this, knowing, being tormented, you know, and the gospel of society says, huh, they're too far gone, leave them be, isolate them off. We can't solve this guy's problem. It's a terrifying sight to society, but it's exactly who Jesus came for. It's exactly who Jesus came for. Let's look back at our Bibles, verse six. Oh, the story gets so much better. It says in verse six that when he, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. These were the demons speaking out from him. In verse 8, for he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And so this guy, actually some commentators believe this guy... This demon, this wasn't the demon's name. It was almost like the demons were challenging him. They were saying, they were saying, you want my name? Well, we're a legion, which means a, a legion of Roman soldiers was around 6,000, okay? So they're kind of challenging the authority of Jesus, and they're saying, go ahead, come at us. We're a legion. There's 6,000 of us in this guy. They were challenging him. And so he says, my name is Legion, for we are many, verse 10. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out to the country, now a great herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside, and they begged Jesus, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. And so when he gave them permission, the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned. And the herdsmen fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see um, what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw, check this out, 
they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. So we saw the gospel of Satan was a lie, sugar-coated, seeking to steal, seeking to kill, seeking to destroy. We see the gospel of society tries to reform, tries to bring the kingdom without the king, right? Tries to think that utopia is going to come if we just build make the right laws or elect the right president or, or whatever it might be, like reform the right things. If we just do the right things, we'll change. But that didn't. And the only thing that will change is the gospel. Lastly, we see here the gospel of the Savior. The gospel of the Savior, the best news ever, right? And I love this. Jesus knew that this man was here. You know, if you read, this, if you read before in chapter four in, in this story, you see that in order for them to get to this shore, they had to go through a storm, to get through there. Some, some theologians think that that storm was actually like some spiritual attack, um, some spiritual warfare from these demons knowing that Jesus was coming to the other side. So they're seeking to make it difficult for him to bring deliverance to this guy. But what I love about that is that Jesus didn't let a storm stop him from reaching someone. The perseverance of our King and our Savior. Aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't give up for you? That he wasn't like on that cross and he's like, it's too much, I can't do it anymore. And he comes down and he's like, all right, you guys have to find your own way because I can't. It's just, but he, he persevered until the end. He was faithful until the end for you and for me. No matter what came his way, a thorn of crowns or a crown of thorns and the stripes upon his back, the nails in his hand and his feet, being pierced, being beard plucked out, whipped, all of that. He persevered through it for his love for you and me to reach us. And this guy, desperate in his condition, tormented by these demons, finds Jesus. And what I love about their encounter is that not only did Jesus intentionally come to this guy, but he spoke to him and he listened to what he had to say. You know, I think that speaks volumes in the way that we witness, in the way that we live out on mission of Christ. That we're not just those that just shove information down people's ears and just like, you better believe. And we don't even give them the time to speak. And we don't even listen to them, you know. I really believe that some of the greatest love that you can show, especially to non-believers, is, is um, a listening ear. To listen to their story. To hear how they were raised, their beliefs, what, what, um, what they were raised in. So Jesus finds this guy, speaks to him, even allows him to speak and, and listens to him. And as we continue on, we end this story in verse 15. It says, oh, I love that part. Verse 15 says that then the townspeople came to Jesus. They saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there clothed in his right mind. You know, that reminds me of 2 Corinthians 5, um, 17, where Paul says, um, you're a new creation in Christ that the old has passed away, behold, all things are made new. That when we come to Jesus, he makes us new creations. That we're not the same. Your old life doesn't define you. Your past doesn't define you. And we see here, one of the most gnarliest pasts in the, in, the, in the world didn't affect this guy. He's clothed and sitting in his right mind before the Lord. Like, it's, it's, it's amazing, so sweet. And so, and it says that the townspeople were afraid. Verse 16 and those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man, to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Really interesting, huh? They're, they got so scared that they begged Jesus to leave. They cared more about their pigs than they did about this, um, the soul of this man. They cared more about their business, their money. So they begged him to leave. And Jesus, like a gentleman he is, he never stays where he's not welcome. And so he listens to them. And it says, as Jesus was leaving, look at this, verse 18. When he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with Jesus. But Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you, how he has had mercy on you. And he went his way and began to proclaim in Decapolis which was the name of the cities, the 10 cities that were there, how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Man, this guy's request proved his heart. This guy didn't just want, didn't just want what Jesus could do for him. You know, I think sometimes we can get lost in, in our walk with him where it becomes all about, Jesus, what can you do to bless my life? You know, uh, he's, Christ... <laughs> He's not like a patch you can wear that makes your life better. 
You know, I would actually, you know, go to the opposite and say that if you choose to follow Jesus, it'll, it'll be more difficult than, than in the world. But the truth is, you won't be alone through it. Through every storm, through every valley that you face, that God promises to walk alongside of you. But we see through this guy, through his request, he's not asking for more stuff from Jesus. What is he asking for? To be with him. Man, that's a true heart of someone who's redeemed, someone who's saved, is I don't care about all this stuff. I don't care if you give me, you know, <laughs> the, the marriage, the house, the, the car, the job, all that stuff. Like, I don't care about that. I just want to be with you. I just want to be near you. I just want to be near the one who saved me, who brought me out of this. And it's really interesting because Jesus denies his request, right? You read there, he says he did not permit him. But what does he tell him? He says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. Jesus knew that this guy's testimony would bring the most glory to God in his hometown, not with him. He knew that where this guy's testimony needed to be heard first was the people that knew him, was the people that knew him. Warren Wiersbe says, this really cool quote, he says, effective Christianity um, must begin at home where people know us best. <laughs> I think that sometimes that's the hardest place to be a Christian, right, is to your family members who really know you and they know the things that you get frustrated at and they know how to push your buttons. Um, but that's where effective, that's where our testimony shines is even there. And so we see that this guy, one of the very first you could call missionaries we read in the Gospels is an ex-demon-possessed guy. Man, like, if, if, like, I mean, you think about it, like, if this guy, this guy came to church and was like, hey, I'm looking for a job here, I'm a worship leader, you know, um, they're like, okay, yeah, why don't you give us some of your background? Well, um, I used to hang around the graveyards, and they're like, oh, like a graveyard shift? Like, you used to work really late night? No, like, actual, like, tombs. And they're like, oh, wow, that's kind of weird, okay, all right, anything else we need to know about your past? Yeah, actually, too, I used to, like, howl out at night and cut myself with um, stones and stuff, and actually, by the way, I was possessed by, like, over 6,000 demons at our time, you know, <laughs> like, on a, you know, like, on a, on paper, that probably would not get you a job at a church, <laughs> but Jesus uses this guy, and what does he do as, as Jesus was sent into the world? What does he do with this guy? He sends him out. He sends him out. Listen, your past doesn't disqualify you from being used by God. Your past doesn't disqualify you from being used by God. Don't let your past mistakes stop from what God wants to do in your future. You're a new creation. You're a new creation in Christ. You've got to claim that. Sometimes I know it's hard to believe, right? That past creeps up and it's, and it's tempting you and it's calling you out with shame. It's calling you out with regret. And it's saying, you, how do you call yourself a Christian after doing all that stuff, after still messing up in that stuff? And you just got what you got to do is you got to claim the authority of Christ in your life. You got to claim scripture. Jesus fought temptation of Satan with, with scripture, with the word of God. Every time Satan tempted him, he came back and he said, It is written, it's written, it's written. That's how we come back with him. So we come back again against the enemy. And man, so this guy is one of the first missionaries sent out, one of the first sent on mission by Jesus in his ministry. And what's so cool is if, if you just flip one page over or maybe two page over to Mark 7, they come back to this area later in their ministry. And in Mark 7, verse 31 and 32, it says, it says, Then Jesus returned from the region of Tyre, went through the Sidon to the Sea of Galilee. Check it out, in the region of the Decapolis. That's where that guy was sent. Look at verse 32. And the people brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay hands on him. What a witness this guy had. The people knew the power of God. So when they heard that Jesus was coming back, they're like, we need to bring another person who needs deliverance, who needs healing. So Christ came to redeem, to buy back from bondage with the price, and to restore, to bring us back to which we were originally created for, relationship with God. Redeemed from the prison of sin, as Galatians 4, um, 4 through 5 would say, where he says, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. 
Jesus redeems us. He came to redeem us, and he came to restore us. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible, Isaiah 6, verse um, 61, verse 1 through 3. Um, this is a prophecy of Jesus, of the Messiah. And Isaiah, under the um, authority of the Holy Spirit and leading in the Holy Spirit, he, he speaks out in prophecy, and he says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, and release from darkness to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, and they will be called oaks of righteousness, planting in the Lord for his display and his splendor. Come on, man. That's the mission of Christ, to restore us, to restore you, to restore those people that are too far gone in our lives. And like this guy who maybe had a troubled past, maybe you feel like you do here, you're not disqualified. Like this guy, you and I are sent. That the same call that, the Lord, that Jesus gave this guy, he gives this to you and to me, and he says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. How, we've been redeemed, now we seek to see others redeemed. We've been restored, now we seek to see others restored. Um, this is the mission of Christ, Missio Christi, to redeem and to restore, you know? And, um, you know, this, this um, series kind of hits, um, it hits really close right now to uh, my family and I. Um, if you guys don't know this already, uh, my family and I are taking a big step of faith, and we're moving. We're moving at the beginning of December to help a church plant in Texas and to help out there. And so to, we felt, you know, maybe some of you are like, what? How is that possible? That's crazy. That's insane. Like, Zach, no. You know, like, I've heard it all. I've heard everything. I've struggled with it all. Lord, really? Like, I'm, um, <laughs> I remember the first time the Lord put this on it's actually funny, the first time the Lord put this on Emma's heart for us in 2018, I, like, responded to Emma with, like, you're crazy. Like, you know, we, we had visited um, Texas, which is where I'm originally from. Um, and she told me, she, I remember when we came back from that trip, she, she told me, she's like, I feel like one day the Lord's going to call us here. Like, God's going to move in our heart to be, to be here. And I was like, I'm not listening to you. You're crazy, right? You know, like, I'm like, that's insane. Like, I have a great job. I have a, I get a minister with some of my best friends. I live in South freaking Orange County. Like, this is like, in my opinion, like, this is the best place to live in the world. Like, it's so beautiful. It's wonderful to live here. You have surf. You have, like, it's the, it's never not unbearable, the weather. Like, we complain when it's 76 degrees, right? It's like, what? you know, I remember, and so, like, I remember her telling me this, and I was like, no, I don't, I don't see how that's going to happen, babe. I really don't see how that's going to happen. You know, fast forward a couple years, um, God continues to stir that in our hearts. You know, we find that one of our pastors here, who is on staff here, um, you know, has a desire to plant a church. You know, and I remember beforehand asking Emma, and I was talking to Emma through this when we were on, you know, when I was kind of like trying to discern it in 2018 when we first took that trip, and I was telling her, I was like, I was like, okay, if we were to do this, like, where would we even go? Like, where, do you feel like just, let me just point, Texas is kind of big. Right. I'm just point like, uh, let me go to, you know, Armadillo, Armadillo Flats, Texas. You know, that's where we're going to be? Or like, and she was like, no, I really feel like drawn towards the Austin area. Like, I really feel drawn towards that area. And I was like, okay. I mean, it's cool. I mean, I was like, this place is cool. I mean, I, I like it. The food's great. The barbecue's amazing. <laughs> um, and then, you know, fast forward a couple of years, we come to find out that one of um, our pastors, like I was sharing, who's on staff here, Feels the Lord putting on a call in his heart to plant a church in Austin, Texas. And we're like, wow, that's really, that's really weird. That's strange. No. I was like, I almost wrestled with it a little bit. I was like, no, God, really? And I remember calling Emma right after I found that out. And um, I shared with her, and I'm like, you won't guess where Pastor Chris is planting a church. And she interrupted me, and she's like, Austin, Texas. And I was like, yeah. And she's, we were both like, what? Like, the Lord 
obviously was speaking to us, stirring in our hearts, you know. Um, and this year, God has been stirring, stirring, and stirring and confirming through his word to the point where we, we've even shared it with John. This whole year, we've walked with our pastor here, John. He's walked alongside of us um, to discern the will of God through this all. You know, Andrew's been a good help, even though he's been encouraging me not to leave. <laughs> and telling me that... <laughs> That we're done as a relationship if I go. <laughs> like, we're done. No. Uh, <laughs> but he's, I mean, he's encouraged us and, and, and come alongside of us and in the midst of it all. And we have felt um, in the past couple months that God has spoken so much towards us that it would be disobedient to not obey, to not go, to not take a step of faith out. And so here we are. Um, <laughs> moved all our stuff out of our house currently right now. We're living with some friends. We're not, you know, um, and our stuff is going to be packed up in a pod, and in a couple weeks we're going to move out there and see what the Lord does. And the reason why I share this with you guys, obviously because I love you guys and I care about you guys and I want you guys to, to understand this and understand my heart and not just hear that, like, yeah, screw you, Zach, you're going to leave in, you know, like, ah. You know, like, uh, as, as, as much as I feel like that too, like, really, God? Like, ah. Um, but I wanted to share this with you guys because the Lord has stirred on my heart, man. Like, I want to finish my race well. I moved out here in 2011, and I was some punk kid that didn't know what was going on in his life. And I was just chasing a dream of just ministering to the Lord. And um, I was 20 years old when I moved out here. I packed all my stuff in a, <laughs> in a Honda Accord given to me by my grandma. <laughs> And, like, everything that I owned fit in my car. And it was so sad. Like, everything that had, every dollar that had my name on it fit in my car. I'm like, wow, this is really depressing. <laughs> and I moved out here. I didn't have any family out here. And I saw God move, and I saw God work, and I saw God move at the school worship there in Costa Mesa, and then um, leading worship at a church in Long Beach, and then eventually God um, calling and moving um, me here to San Juan, um, where I've been for the past um, eight and a half years. And meeting my wife here as she gracefully exits the room right now because she has to pick up her son who's being babysat right now. Thank you, babe. I love you. Uh, <laughs> but um, met my wife here. We had our kids here. Um, some of the deepest friendships that I've known are in this room. Um, and, um, and, I, and I almost felt like the Lord kind of shared with me, like, like, Zach, you can, be, you, can, you can stay where you're comfortable. Like, he's a gentleman, right? He's like, I'm not going to force you to do what you don't want to do. Um, but I remember there's a story in, in Joshua where um, the half-tribe of Manasseh didn't cross the Jordan because they got comfortable on the other side, and they didn't inherit the promise of the Lord. And so they, you know, they didn't go fully all the way into claiming the promises of God and living fully in the promises of God. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, Zach, I, like, and God allowed them to stay there. God allowed them to be on that side. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, Zach, you could, you could be, you know, where you're, you're comfortable and where, like, where, you, where I'm using you. Like, I'm not going to force you to leave. Um, or you could go. Or you can step into all that I have for you. And you can, you know, you can, like, like, like he told Abraham in, in Genesis where he says, go and I will show you a land that I will give you. Yes, I felt like the Lord was, was speaking to me, like, go, and then you'll see. Like, I'm not going to show you before. Um, you got to be obedient first. You got to take steps of faith. This doesn't come that easy. And if you walk with the Lord, you know that. Um, and so, um, yeah. And so here we are, living on mission, um, taking a huge step of faith, going in, um, in with all the love that you guys have shown me and my family. In, in all of it, and we're stoked, and we're so grateful for all you guys. We're so grateful for Andrew, and for, I mean, I'm, I'm a pastor because of this guy, you know? I, I'm a, everything that I am and who I am is because of this guy, and I'm so grateful for this guy. I'm so grateful for all of you guys for just being here and, and, and um, being a part of this season of our life, and, um, but like I said, I just want to finish my race well, man, and I want to, there's a part of me that's like, I want to I kick the devil in the face. 
you know, like I want to see God do some stuff. I want to, I want to fight the, you know, like fight for the kingdom. I want to see the Lord do some amazing stuff, you know, and the Lord's like, okay, move your family to Austin, Texas. And I'm like, all right, Lord, here we go. And so that's where we're, that's, that's an update for us. And so from us, and so, um, we appreciate your guys' prayers and support through all of this, um, we will be back. We'll be visiting and all this stuff. You know, I mean, my family's here. It's impossible for me to leave this area. I'll be, I'll be visiting back and stuff. But um, we love you guys so much. And don't forget, and what I, what, what I wanted to come out of at the end of all of this is like I was saying at the end of this Bible study, we're all called on mission, guys. It doesn't have to be Guatemala. It doesn't have to be another state. It doesn't have to be, you know, you know somewhere far away. God has placed each and every one of us in the season that we're in for a reason, that you're surrounded by your coworkers for a reason, you're surrounded by your schoolmates or your, um, your classmates for a reason, you're in that family or that dorm room for a reason, be used by God. Let him use you to redeem and to restore and, and see him do some pretty awesome things. And so, amen? Amen. I love you guys. Um, I love you guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Andrew. <laughs> uh, but let's pray, and then um, we're going to close with worship, okay? And if you guys have any questions about anything, please ask me afterwards. I, I can, I'd love to talk to you after. Um, but let's pray right now. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to give this, this time to you, God. We want to thank you, Lord, that um, just as this man we read in, in, in Mark um, was loved by you, was seen by you, um, that you didn't let anything get in your way of reaching this guy. God, that, the same, that that same gospel that reached him is, is true to us tonight. That you're reaching us. Lord, that none of us in this room are too far gone from your redemptive touch and your um, restoration, the power of your restoration through your Holy Spirit and through the the blood of Jesus. And so we claim that tonight. Maybe some of us here, Lord, we've, we've been believing for too long the lies of the enemy, the, the false gospel of Satan and society. And we've been trying to do it on our own. And we've forgotten that we, we can't. We were never called and, and meant to do it on our own. That we were meant to cry out to you in faith um, and repentance, God. And so we just... Do that even right now, God. We cry out to you, even as Romans says, that we, we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart, then we will be saved. And so we cry out to you right now, God. Um, use us, repurpose, and show us, Lord, the ways that, um, maybe the things in our life, Lord, that um, you're wanting to redeem. Lord, even more than, than um, just our, uh, just the people that we meet, maybe there, there even is some routines in our life, God, that you're seeking to redeem. You're seeing that nothing is wasted in our life. There's nothing that we do that's by accident, God. And so help us to just remember that, Lord, to live on mission um, wherever it is that you call us, God. And let us be open to the calling of the Holy Spirit, to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We want to be like Christ in that, Lord, where we're willing to even go through the storm, Lord, if it means seeing others come to that. Um, place of um, salvation in you, of finding uh, peace, rest, forgiveness, grace, and mercy in you, God. And so um, use us, God. Here we are. We just want to be used by you, Lord. We, we just want to advance your kingdom, Lord, and, and be found faithful when you come. Lord, so help us to be like Christ, to be more like Jesus. And use this, this time, even as we close in worship, use this time, Lord, to minister to our hearts to speak, uh, to commission maybe even in this room, to call out, to set apart. Lord, we remember in the book of Acts where it says that while Paul and Barnabas, when they were worshiping, that the Spirit spoke and said, set apart for me these two for the work which I have called them to, that you called them out of a place of worship. Lord, I pray that you would do that even tonight, Lord, that you would equip and you would call those in this room tonight as we sing to you and as we just seek love you. Thank you so much for all that you uh, have done.
vida. We pray in Jesus' name.